Hello and welcome to Making UX Work, the Give Good UX podcast. I'm your host, Joe Natoli, and our focus here is on folks like you doing real, often unglamorous, UX work in the real world. You'll hear about their struggles, their successes, and their journey to and through the trenches of product design, development, and of course, user experience. My guest today is Leon Stridham. Leon has been working in and on the web since 2008, traversing between visual design and front-end development, frequently turning his hand to print-based graphic design as well. Now, although he's somewhat new to the UX design community and is looking for a new job, it becomes immediately apparent that Leon's drive, commitment, and dedication to the design process and design thinking in general infuses everything that he does. And from talking with him, I think it's also very obvious that he would be a valuable asset to any organization. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Leon Stridham on Making UX Work. So first and foremost... How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, just really busy trying to find work. Um, Rewriting uh, about ten cover letters every day. Um, you know, uh, some people might think, "What cover letters? Who cares?" But you know, uh, they're quite important. You know, especially in our industry, you have to show that you've actually that you're actually genuinely interested in the company that you're applying to, and not just yeah. in finding a job wherever that may be. You know, so every cover letter is a tailored piece of Shakespearean beauty, so to speak. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, as it as it should be, quite honestly, because that's one of the mistakes uh, that I think I see I see way too much. In that, you know, candidates send the same form letter to every organization they're talking to, and you know, the person on the other end feels like, all right, I know that you sent this to forty people. Why is it that you want to work for us? And that's really what they want to know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's um, precisely what I'm trying to avoid. You know, um, I'm always trying yeah. to match the language that they use in their job ads, and you know, uh, you have to look at who the company is as well to find something to talk about when it comes to why it is you want to work for them in particular. You know, so. Yeah. What What are the things you look at out of curiosity when you're doing research on an organization? Um, I can use this latest one that I did as an example. I went into, you know, I look at their website and uh, a lot of companies have a section called culture or something very similar to. And, you know, it normally talks and within there, you normally see what their values are, like the type of um, social events that they have for their teams and, you know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, anything that they talk talk about in terms of the economy or the environment you know that's gold right there um you know there's loads of stuff that you can elaborate on uh when it comes to that sort of thing um but this latest one what did i uh, they this latest place actually have their own design process and you know i just me being all about process i just you know right bang that's what i'm going to talk to them about and you know mm -hmm. i sent them a nice little gif of somebody uh, i think it was um oh gosh he's uh, Nicki minaj like um, saying wow to the camera and you know i just added the text the name of their design process in text onto the gif and send that off to them and um they said right thanks and they immediately got back to me said thank you uh, we'll be in touch to hopefully arrange a um interview so you know it goes to show um that kind of thing pays off you know well yeah you made an impression obviously and, and look that's the name of the game okay it, it, every recruiter every hiring manager i mean myself when i had my own company when i was hiring um when i've done it for clients what I think a lot of people forget is that the volume of applications and resumes and cover letters and emails and inquiries that the people doing the hiring get is enormous. Yeah. It's, it's enormous. So one of the first things that you do is you go through and you're looking for something that jumps out at you immediately because you can't spend the time that you would like with all of it, right? And it sounds like that's very much the approach that you're taking. Yeah. No, it's the age-old story. Um, these recruiters have how many ever applications to wade through. So, you know, the ones that stand out are the ones that are going to get looked at, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So out of curiosity, what led you to the point where now you're looking for a new gig? 
tell me that story. Right. Okay. Um, I can't tell the story without going into my my timeline. Um, you know. That's okay. Let's do it. Um, I graduated in 2007 after studying graphic communication. Um, I, I'll openly admit that you know uh, this was during my early 20s when I was still you know I, I was a totally different person back then. I was of totally in the wrong frame of mind to be doing something as serious as a degree. You know, like uh, if I was if if I was to do it again now, it would be such a different story. But regardless, <laughs> regardless, though, the benefit of age. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, long story short, I had a degree that I could put on my CV, and you know that got my foot in some doors. And uh, in 2008, what was that degree? Um, graphic communication. It's basically graphic design, but you know sure. you delve into the, um, the four main pathways that you can apply graphic design in, like branding product design when i say product design i'm talking about packaging you know um Mm -hmm. yeah like boxes and cartons and stuff like that not products as in digital products but there was a digital pathway as well which is what i did um we spent most of our time in uh, adobe's flash which was micromedia flash back then um yeah so uh that's what i studied and that led to 2008 um and mind you before i carry on the 2000 2008 was, of course, when the economic downturn was in full effect. Uh, the banks had just made that massive boo-boo, and you know uh, the pressure was felt all around, really, like um, especially in the places outside of major cities like London, which was where I was based. I was based out in the suburbs. And, yeah. um, in 2008, I landed a, uh, a nice little role with a, um, a marketing company who mostly did work for churches and ministries and stuff like that. Um, everything from print to you know uh print fulfillment as in you know they get it get the stuff delivered and stuff like that but they took me on mainly because i had experience with web you know i was able to design and build basic websites and um, that was an avenue that they had not explored uh, a lot of just yet you know i mean this was during mm-hmm. the days when ie6 and transparent pngs were still a thing you know i mean yeah 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 i mean that was those were still very much early days yeah no um you know the big names like uh, jared spool and um uh, who else simon collison had only just started evangelizing css back then you know i mean so yeah uh, but that's just to give everybody a rough clue as to when we're talking about here um so yeah i was doing both web and print in 2008 uh mostly pr- uh, uh, mostly web because i was the only one and um you know back then i had no clue about user experience um but still that role led up to about 2010 when i joined a company that specialized mainly in web you know and um yeah uh still again the word ux was not really in anybody's vocabulary there and that similar story led all the way up to 2015 uh, believe it or not and um so yeah uh, in 2015 was really the wake-up call for me because you know we were doing work that really uh, um, facilitated or at least you know would have thrived on specializing in ux you know because a lot of the work that we were doing was recruitment sites so heavy exchange of personal details and stuff like that and you know there was no assessing the process that users had to go through or anything like that anything that they struggle with it was literally just a case of right okay we're gonna buy these wordpress plugins and we're just gonna let them do their thing we're not gonna worry about it at all you know right total functionality yeah basically and you know more a case of usability as well because you know thinking back to it there were sites where you know the guy who was in charge just said right do this and i was like really you want them to do all of this just to get an email from you you know um just to name a rough example and um yeah that was my story in 2016 i enrolled in a um online course that you know gave us the gave us a thorough introduction to ux and yeah here i am trying to that ended about two months ago and now i'm full-fledged into uh, my job search 
Interesting. So did you did you leave that organization or did they, they fall on hard times or, or what happened? Both, really. They fell on hard times. And, you know, uh, just, just prior to that, they they let a whole bunch of us go, me included. In fact, I think I was the very last one that they uh, had to say goodbye to before shutting their doors, you know. Wow. Yeah. So it goes to show that, I don't know, um, I don't think they were providing any real value to their client base. I mean, one of their clients were actually recruiters for the creative industry, and they came to us asking for something, I don't know, groundbreaking. And thinking back to it, the only – what they were really asking was good UX, you know? Yeah, actually, they probably didn't call it that. And, and you know, my bet would be the organization didn't really have – the language to to speak to that either was this company very technologically driven very sort of it programming development driven or was it it was it a design firm um it was uh, kind of neither um <laughs> uh, i'm gonna sound very cynical here but you know um it's really the closest to the truth that i can possibly fathom but it was basically four uh four people came together and said right uh we we're in the recruitment industry uh design looks like something that anybody can do but Uh, you know it's something that everybody has so you know why not let's let's do it ourselves and um yeah they just thought okay well we need a web developer or something so and that's when i came into the picture they rang me up and they even you know misadvertised the job to me they said web designer and you know i don't know about anybody else but if someone says web designer to me it's not saying web developer you know like um, (laughs) well of course not but but you know they don't know what they don't know so to them that that term means something completely different yeah um i tried my best to push because you know one of the these four people um he his his team was working in-house so you know in the background us working you'd have people on the phone to end users saying like you know right yeah again give us a call or come in for an interview stuff like that and i don't know like am i wrong for thinking bang that's gold right there we've got the perfect opportunity to talk to our end users and you know uh do the best work we possibly can i mean of course how much effort would have been to just add in a question or two about the website and anything that they're finding hassly about it you know yeah i tell you what i'm curious about hearing you say that how much of that impetus when you're thinking to yourself okay why don't we talk to these people they're actually using it they have insight that we need you know, this is sort of a perfect leap in logic. How much of that was driven by your background in, in more traditional design versus your exposure to UX? Was it one more than the other? Was it both? I think it was both because I think, um, you know, uh, I don't know. I think the line that separates UX and just normal design is very thin because, like, you know, essentially I see design as being about people, you know, yeah. like uh, whether it's, you know, end users or just audiences, you know, like, um, I mean, you, you take the people who are going to be consuming your work into consideration and you p- proceed accordingly. I mean, everything from typeface choice to, you know, the functionality that you push for, you know, it's all down to the people that you're designing for, I'd say. Amen. And, um, so in a way, it was both that influenced me wanting to push for them to talk to the end users, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the end of the if I had to say it was one or the other, I'd say it was just my design instincts, you know, because, yeah, like we're just designing for the guy who's in charge here. You know, he's saying do this and that and, you know, okay, fine, you're paying the bills. But, geez, how successful is this website of yours? I mean, like you've got your job listings right at the bottom of the page, whereas, you know, they should be at the top of the page, for example. You know? Right. Right. So, yeah, no, it was my design instincts, I'd say. And I think that misunderstanding, okay, has, has been around because I started out in traditional design as well, right? My, my degree was in graphic design. I think the, the struggle that we're talking about, right, the, the sort of UX struggle where you're confronted with stakeholders or business folks or clients or whoever it is, that sort of you can see where they need to go, but they can't get out of their own way to get there. That same struggle has been going on uh, since – before the internet, right? Since when, when, when graphic design was just graphic design and people who built software didn't want anything to do with designers. I think it was the same fight. You know, you're doing marketing materials or an advertising campaign or TV or radio, whatever it is. 
And it's the same struggle, right? Where people are saying, well, no, I want this. And you say, well, why do you want that? Why is it going to land this way with people? Why is it going to affect people? And they don't know and they're not willing to go there. They just sort of want what they want. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. make the logo bigger. And I'm like, okay, how? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. How's a bigger logo going to affect, you know, usability? Like, you know, how's it going to make your site more usable and more, well, useful? You know what I mean? <laughs> I always had the sense that it's the same fight, yeah. you know, because it's about at the end of the day, what is this doing for you? What's it, what's it saying to people? What's it allowing them or motivating them to do? Um, and then how's it helping you? As an organization, I think these questions and these issues and these struggles simply sort of change their shape and size, but at their core, <laughs> they're the same. They're the same struggles. Yeah, no, I think there's. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's something else, but I could swear that it's something to do with personal taste and you know pride and stuff like that i mean it's yeah. their money and you know um, at the end of the day they want to make sure that they leave their mark on it seeing as it's their baby i suppose but geez like uh, when pride comes in the way of common sense and stuff like that i don't know like only some people are able to see that it could be detrimental i don't know yeah have you ever had a situation where you know you were in one of those sort of battles and that person, whether it be a client or uh, you know a stakeholder, somebody internal, turned their ship around, turned to change their opinion, and said, "You know what? You're right about that. I really didn't think about this." And um, you know, where, where they were able to put themselves aside. Have you had any experiences like that? Yeah, I th <clears throat> this uh, last position that, um, that I mentioned in 2015 with um, you know uh, the recruitment sites that we were working on. Um, I think there were a couple of times where you know. Some, I pointed something out, like for example, the example that I used earlier was this one site had all the job listings at the very bottom of the page. And mind you, this is quite a tall, long page with loads of scrolling involved. And I did, yep. uh, I did uh, push for those job listings to be moved up the page sort of thing. And, you know, yeah, the person who was signing off on the design turned around and said, yeah, you're, you know what, you're right, so let's do that. You know? <laughs> like, um, if there was no user testing involved either, you know, like I tested, I went undercover and tested it with some of my friends and, you know, but all of that on off the record stuff is, you know, you might as well not bother bringing that to the table, you know, because if it's not official signed off by them, then they don't really care sort of thing. But that was one battle that I won where I said, right, this is the what what do you want your users to do they said apply for jobs and i replied with right make that prominent stay of center stage you know and um they yeah they they saw it my way how often do you think that's a case of somebody in your position okay whether it's a designer or a ux person um whoever how many times do you think that not happening is a case of the designer or the uxer simply never asking the question goodness um from my personal experience anyway um that happened quite often in the organization that i was with because you know after so many times of trying and just having it shot down it sort of sets like a baseline standard or at least a consensus that you know right like don't bother don't bother trying to make arguments like that because we know how we're going about playing our game so just don't bother you know right. it's just a waste of time but um it i i don't know maybe it varies based on the organization but the place where i was at that was certainly the norm you know what i mean so most of the time <laughs> yeah so people just give up yeah like i mean the only solution that i could think of was to i don't know do guerrilla testing without anybody knowing and just saying to them, look, I've got these numbers here on paper, and if you're going to argue with those, then that's fine. But, you know, for what it's worth, here's what things are actually looking like. You know, this is the result of your design decisions that you made me implement sort of thing. Obviously not in those words, because then they'll just fight you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to be diplomatic. Because <laughs> my problem is that I was always going at this sort of problem alone, you know. So I had no benchmark by which to say, right, okay, that's how they handled it or that's how you should approach it, you know, and that's what works. So, yeah, like uh, I've only got my own experiences to go by here, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did, did their opinion of you or the way that they interacted with you change to any degree after that, after that moment? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Like um, – I 
I don't know if this is just the type of people they were socially or like, you know, or whether this is literally a standard of professionalism. But yeah, they just it felt like this anyway. It felt like they saw me as argumentative and uh, disruptive and stuff like that. Not disruptive in the word that we know in the UX world with, you know, designing uh, disruption and stuff like that. But yeah, just purely disruptive towards the workflow and you know detrimental almost uh, even though you gave them something that was that was a definite positive change um if i do say so myself yeah unfortunately like uh <laughs> yeah i don't know it's a horror story uh, to say the least but hell like uh it is what it is yeah and there are a lot of them and i think it's a hard line to walk right where you say to yourself all right on one hand I believe in this, so I have to speak up. I have to say something about it. I have to do something about it. And, you know, you guys have all heard this from me prior. You're robbing everybody in the room of what you're capable of and your value if you don't speak up. At the same time, you also have to know when you're banging your head against a wall and you're continuing to injure yourself and nothing's going to change. Yeah, totally. Did you change your, did you change your approach after that just for your own personal sanity? Uh, what, but my approach to evangelizing the users, for example. Yeah, in terms of you know, if you if you were sort of getting beat up after that, or if you know now you're the enemy. <laughs> did you did you change your approach at all just to get through the day? Yeah, by by that point, I mean the the writing was on the wall, you know. Like, um, well, actually, there was there were a few separate pieces of writing on the wall. One of which was right, you're not going to win here, so just do what you got to do because I mean you've got bills to pay, so just do what they tell you to. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, of course, uh, it wasn't long after that that you know I sort of woke up and thought right time to find a different job you know what i mean yeah and it sounds like things sort of imploded anyway so that you were headed in that direction regardless yeah i was i was in the middle of uh you know yeah packing my things and then you know it's like right can we speak to you for a second so i was i sort of missed my chance of uh, legitimately um uh, handing in my notice before they actually took the liberty and uh, making me redundant which, you know, it's, it is what it is. I finished crying about that a long time ago. So Yeah, well, there's, you know, the, the old cliche is always when one door closes, another one opens. And we all laugh and we roll our eyes. But, you know, as someone who's headed towards 50, this, it really is the truth. The river goes <laughs> where it needs to go for the most part. So it's always tempting to look back and, and spend a lot of time sort of gnashing your teeth about things that have taken place prior. But... There's really no value in it, and you're you're headed where you need to be headed. I think. I think so too, and um, that's one of the handful of uh, positives that I can take away from that place. You know, um, a it set me off on dedicate dedicating myself towards uh, gaining my UX skills, and you know, really appreciating what a user centered design approach is all about, and you know, really orientating my efforts around that. You know, like uh, whereas before I was, you know, just following the way that I was always doing things. But yeah, no, the ball game's definitely different now. And yeah, I'm, it's hard getting a job. Um, but still, like I'm still very much optimistic as a, as optimistic as I was when I first started my job search. So that's fantastic. Yeah. What's what's keeping you motivated? I just think I believe that I stand a chance. I mean, you know, uh, I appreciate that it's a competitive market, and you know, uh, this time of year, especially well here in in the UK anyway, is really busy and all that. So you know, obviously progress is going to be slow. But and also, uh, if I'm going to be blunt about this, anywhere is better than where I was last time around. Yeah. So no, I understand that. I don't think that's. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that statement. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, lie. I'm going to grant myself the opportunity to get out of my chest. Yeah, right, right, right. So obviously, I mean, you feel like you've you learned a lot of lessons. You, you learned a lot of things about yourself going forward. What kind of role, in your perfect ideal world, what kind of role do you see yourself in? 
Um, I've got my hopes set on really getting into interaction design. Uh, I really, uh, you know, more so product as the more product design oriented, um, side of things where, you know, you work out the functionality, the flow, uh, the user flows and, you know, the general architecture of things. Um, I, I feel that I've got a natural skill or at least a natural eye for, uh, that side of things, you know, um, uh, I've got, vi- I've got visual design flair, but obviously, you know there's always going to be somebody better than you at that but i feel yeah when it comes to interaction design and the more sort of um fundamental layer of things then yeah like i've got something to offer the world you know what i mean what pieces of that do you enjoy doing the most Hmm, that's an interesting question um the more architectural side of things um i uh, i do feel like i've got a natural knack for information architecture um really working out the you know um how things flow from from screen to screen and you know what's in, what's most important to users and stuff like yeah. that you know so i mean what's interesting to me about that okay is that i i know a lot of people and i keep going back to this theme i, I get that but I know a lot of people who came up in traditional design, okay, and they're very good visual designers, and some of them are, are flat-out excellent visual designers. And then as they go on in their careers, especially with the proliferation of all things digital, they find that the behind-the-scenes parts of interaction design or information architecture or you know, what constitutes good user experience, all this sort of you know, whiteboarding strategic information heavy work where we're not talking about what's on the screen per se anymore. You're talking about the psychology of people. They just, they dive into it with both feet and it, it gives them this focus and this lift that they didn't have previously. And I'm always curious about what the connection is there because honest to God, I know a lot of people who are really excellent at the non-visual, non-technical work that we're talking about here, and they, almost all of them started in traditional visual design. Yeah, that is an interesting thing because you're sort of working backwards if you're thinking yeah, about it yeah. and, and as an explicit design process. You know, what I mean, like um, they're starting out higher up in the process, and then you know they're sort of going backwards in terms of you know right i'm gonna all my skills are layer on but i'm gonna try and apply myself to where it all starts off you know and i suppose that's where i'm coming where i've got a similar story to say to tell even you know because what i studied and my exposure so far really was towards the visual end product you know and um that's what ux did for me is well i yeah, that's what UX did for me. I was really wanting to get my hands into the process, you know, and get involved where things really start and first start off, you know, make sure that the product that we're going to produce really has, you know, value to the world. Right, right. I mean, it is sort of working backwards in that all of a sudden you find, at least for me, you sort of find great joy and satisfaction in saying, yeah, but why are we doing that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because up to, up to then, it's, it's you sort of think, you know, you mentioned being young, right? You're in college. You, you have a different mindset. You're a different person when you're in your 20s uh, than you are in, in your 30s and in your 40s. And I think you start thinking about it differently, whereas before, when you're younger, you have an awful lot of confidence in what you're doing. You believe that you're right and everyone else in the room is wrong. At least I did. <laughs> uh-huh. No, I remember those days. Don't worry. <laughs> and, and then it's interesting. You get to this point where you, you feel like it's a lot more interesting to say, well, wait a minute. Why is this the right thing to do? And why does this matter? And, and why do we think this is the right solution? And to a lot of people, that's like that's the equivalent of watching paint dry. Yeah. Basically. You know? <laughs> I don't. So, so here we are. We're obsessed. Yeah. What's wrong with us, Leon? Uh, don't know. Like uh, <laughs> it's just, it just comes naturally, and that's why I thought you know I should stick with this uh, direction. You know, a couple of times I have thought, right, uh, should I maybe not become a plumber or something else instead? But no, it's just this nat- natural inquisitiveness or strive for you know really. Uh, being there since from the inception that you know made me stick to it you know yeah and uh if you take my my story about my previous employer into consideration you know that's exactly what happened you know it's like why do you want all of this stuff before 
the re- before the stuff that the user have, have came to your site for you know like yeah. you know reasons 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 like uh, i don't i don't want people to defend their reasoning but or their decisions even sorry uh but do give me some insight as to why this is useful you know yeah and i think you know i mean there's part of that that can be taught like for instance you know where i went to design school the the why was huge all right and i got my ass handed to me several times by professors where, you know, I presented something that I thought was visually brilliant. And they said, okay, here's who your audience is. This has nothing to do with what they expect or what they're used to or what they will interpret properly. Right. I mean, so that was hammered into me that, that it has to be appropriate and has to be relevant, has to be speaking language, has to be culturally relevant in some way. Uh-huh. So that's certainly part of it. But I often feel like there's something intrinsic in the, in the character, in the genetic makeup (laughs) of those of us who do this work where that's the compelling part of this equation, right? It just, it just seems the older I get, I wonder if, yeah, part of some of that can be taught. You can certainly learn the mechanics and you can learn, you know, what to look at, whether you care about it or not is another thing entirely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll just repeat myself and say, you know, a part of a part of my sense of like empathy, for example, you know, it it just comes to me naturally, you know, like uh, I just can't help but uh, wonder about what is whether or not what it is I'm doing is actually going to be useful or exceed their expectations, you know, like um, yeah, just everything seems like a problem to be solved, sort of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's what separates great designers from good designers is what separates uh, people who truly excel at user experience architecture or design or information architecture or anything from folks who are just sort of, you know, ha- have a passing interest, but never really get beyond being an order taker. Yeah. You know, that's the key. And and I think I'd be interested in your take uh, in this based on what you've seen so far. My personal belief is that to get where you need to go in this profession, okay, all the things that we're talking about, being willing to ask hard questions, being sort of a natural problem solver, always sort of fixating on the, on the why and is this appropriate? I think it's required, but I also think it's a harder way to go (laughs) to get to the point in your, in your career where you need to be, you know, where you're, where you're happy and fulfilled and you're doing the kind of work you want to do and you're getting sort of the respect and and attention and collaboration, quite frankly, uh, that you're after. You have any, any, any thoughts around that? Well, uh, from personal experience, I think my main problem was just the way that perhaps how I worded myself, you know, like, uh, no, but it, it, um, it's certainly a skill that you have to learn to take, um, what do you call it? Feedback properly, you know, like, uh, nothing's mm-hmm. personal as in, you know, if I think that a visual, de- like a piece of visual design is just not good enough, then, you know, I'm going to say, look, uh, this needs to be reconsidered. And, you know, more often than not, um, the creator of that piece of work has, you know, invested an emotional part of themselves. And, you know, that is always one of that part of them is always a casualty when it comes to um, feedback. That's anything less than absolutely positive. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, So, yeah. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's like a token of what it means to be unprofessional, you know, like uh, you need to be emotionally detached from whatever it is you're doing. So that, cause I mean, you know, what's the point in being so emotionally detached to your work, you know, like if it's, if it gets rejected, then you're just going to feel down about it, you know? And uh, yeah, that does nobody any good, but I digress. I, could, I suppose. No, it's, I think it's, I think it's perfectly on topic. I mean, you're talking about taking things personally, were you in that boat yourself? Um, uh, let me think back. Um, if I cast, I suppose when I first started out, I mean, you know, we got, uh, we had enough um, exercise at this at university. I mean, like we had full on uh, design set um, critiques, and you know, we yeah. yeah, we got sort of conditioned into being able to handle feedback. You know, like because I've one of my mottos is there's no negative feedback. The only negative feedback is you know feedback that's not useful yeah i i don't know if you've noticed this but whenever i post a piece of work on your facebook page asking for feedback i always use the words please shoot this down for me 
because I want it. I want it to be ripped apart. Like that's where I find the most useful um, feedback. Uh, generally, you know, like I need to know where this design is failing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. Tell me what you like, but I would much rather hear what you don't like. You know what I mean? And I use the word "shoot it down" so that people can feel comfortable enough in being perfectly honest with me. You know. Like, uh, cause nobody's going to hurt my feelings. So, but obviously trying to empathize with them in return, like, yeah, they don't want to hurt feelings. So they're going to try and be as lighthearted about it as possible. Sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can see where, I mean, I notice that when people ask for feedback, the way they ask for it tells me whether they've been through a college <laughs> sort of critique curriculum or not. You know what I mean? You, you can sort of see it because the people who have, are always the ones who are saying, look, tell me the unvarnished truth. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I need to know. And I think that's really valuable. And I wonder if there aren't other professions, tangential professions around product development, okay, that maybe don't get that in a college environment. I don't know one way or the other, but I'm always curious about it. Because I think there's a defensiveness that plays into a lot of roles related to product development. And it it sort of makes me think that when they get into a real role, it's the first time they've ever experienced real criticism, right? Real feedback, real constructive. I don't mean, you know, people who are making personal attacks, but it always seems like it's very fresh to people because they get hurt, you know, no matter no matter how it comes across. Yeah. Um, You mentioned there, you know, uh, feedback that just comes through as a personal attack see now i regard that i well, I, I totally disregard that whenever uh, whenever i get subjected to it but i do regard that as useless feedback you know i mean i don't think of it as feedback at all like you know i want comments like you know there's not enough contrast or you know the message is wrong um a while back i posted up a logo on your facebook page which you know i i will confess i was quite fond of but it got shot down you know and <laughs> it was because the messaging was fundamentally wrong so yeah like that and that was useful you know what i mean i was like yeah shame because i really did like that logo but boom you know i don't want to uh, put the wrong messaging across here you know that's like that's disastrous right there and i feel that in that very instance i grew as a designer you know that was something that i've from henceforth paid a lot more attention to you know i don't know i think there's a pattern with you know the more visual uh, deliverables get, the more emotion gets attached as well. You know what I mean? Like um, uh, if a sitemap that I've done is wrong, you know, it's just like I shake it off, no problem, you know. But if it's a logo that I thought about really hard and you know, really like the look of, then, you know, it's just like, oh, no, really? <laughs> but with anything else, like interactions and stuff like that, that are probably not as good as they could be, doesn't phase me at all. Interesting. So is that more about the visual nature of the end result, or is it more about the fact that this is a more tangible, real end result, and now it's sort of getting real, and and your sort of personal attachment changes the closer we get to reality? What do you think that is? I think it's both of those. Um, you know, uh, yeah, sure. Because uh, there's an element of, well, it's we're essentially talking about art, in a way, when we're talking about visual design sort of thing, you know what I mean? So it's, you know, a part of the designer or artist's um, self-expression goes into it, you know what I mean? So it's sort of a part of them that gets rejected when things aren't quite as they should be. But also, you know, it's more on a constructive level as well when, you know, it's more of a, it's a functional piece of work that needs to perform in a certain way that once you find it within yourself to focus on whether or not it's actually performing and doing what it should do then things get easier i suppose but it's tricky you know because it's constantly this back and forth between being expressive and being you know more utilitarian as well you know of course i I mean i personally have always held the belief okay people say it's business it's not personal Uh and i get that i know where it comes from but it's kind of bullshit to me because if you care about what you do to any degree, right, really care about it, really care about the end result, really care that it's worthwhile, you have to invest some of yourself into it. You've got to invest some emotion and some commitment and some dedication into it. And that is very personal. That drive is very personal. Uh So I think one of the hardest things for all of us to do as human beings is to take that step back and hear the things that you know you don't want to hear, but 
do the hard work of saying, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to listen to this, and I'm going to be open to it because I don't care at the end of the day about being right. Being right is not the goal here. Uh So on the heels of that, when you're in these situations or when you have been in these situations uh, in the past, how do do you have any, I don't know, sort of techniques or self-talk or anything that you use to try and, you know, stop yourself from just reacting emotionally so that you can be open to what's being said? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, I don't suppose that saying something like just growing thick skin through, um, through exposure is quite the answer that you're looking for. But um, If you think that happens and if that's worked for you, then sure, I'm interested in hearing about it. Because, I mean <laughs> – yeah, it's all very proportional to the feedback. Like, I mean, in some cases, yeah, you can tell that something was just meant to say, no, no, you know, something was meant to just sort of get at you almost, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't know if that sounds silly or not. No, intent intent is very clear in the way people speak. I, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, because I've had work discarded at, this, at my previous employer because they just didn't believe in me, you know? Uh, the, the, one of the uh, people that I answered to, yeah, they just had it in their head that you're not a designer, right? You're probably, you're more of a technical person. Person, you know, so like henceforth, mm-hmm. I'm gonna bear that in mind every time you submit a piece of work, sort of thing. You know what I mean? And um, for me, anyway, it was just a case of right. If you want this job, if you need, if you need the money enough, then you're just gonna have to roll with it and just take it on the chin, sort of thing. You know what I mean? And yeah, after a while, like, it comes naturally to you. But I just learned to always keep a f- straight face, like. Um, and yeah, just simple things like that, really. <laughs> I to, I'm laughing because I, just, I thought of something somebody told me a long time ago. In fact, I think I want to say it was part of a conversation I had with Henry Rollins. <laughs> Henry Rollins from, from the band? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have interviewed him a couple of times and, and for several years we had sort of a correspondence going back and forth, which is an interesting story for another time. But one of my favorite people. And – what he said to me was when criticism or feedback is coming at you and it's and you can tell that it's personal in nature and it has nothing to do with, you know, making something better or or you know the, the topic at hand or whatever. He said the way that he responds to it is he'll say duly noted. Oh, okay. Right. Which to him is a very polite way of saying fuck you. Exactly. <laughs> like fuck you. Get out of here. Right. I thought that was one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard. And I probably shouldn't admit this out loud, but I use it. <laughs> oh right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, because yeah. To, for two reasons. Number one, it's polite, right? When you say it, and, and now I'm probably not going to be able to say it anymore because it's going to be public. <laughs> Secrets out now. Right. Right. I'm not going to be able to get away with it. So, but but it's it's polite. Right. It comes across well. And at the same time, you get the personal satisfaction of sort of knowing what you're really saying. <laughs> yeah. Basically. And without getting a bad response. Yeah, no, that's great. Best of both worlds. <laughs> right. Right. But I mean, the reason the reason I mention it, though, is because I think that's that's part of it is that you have to find a way to respond. That's not emotional because the minute you allow yourself to go there, you've lost period. Even even if the person is just interested in personally attacking you, there's nothing to be gained from a fight, right? Uh-huh. If you go into a conversation with your fists up, the only outcome is going to be a battle. Yeah. And it doesn't serve it doesn't serve anybody. It's been duly noted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, for real though. Like uh this is yeah, this is all very useful cuz I mean and it's really encouraging because I I sort of feel like I wasn't far off in my assumptions about how I should deal with this you know what i mean like um i always just make sure that i seem like i'm not phased by what they're saying at all you know what i mean right i don't know if they want me to seem phased but that sure as hell isn't what they're gonna get you know what i mean like uh no that's right you can't get emotion because if they're making it personal then they're obviously after a negative response you know what i mean so the best that you can do is just let it slide over you you know yeah 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 i've had plenty of instances where i've just sort of found a polite way to say look I completely respect your opinion. It is yours. You are, in some cases, if it's a client, you're saying, look, you're the one taking all the risk here. I get it. You got to draw a stake in the sand that you're comfortable with. Draw a line in the sand, put a stake in the sand um, that you're comfortable with. At the same time, 
just understand that with all due respect, I can't go there with you because I don't believe, I don't believe based on my experience that this is going to end well. Okay. Okay. Uh I could be wrong about that. I hope that I'm wrong about that, but this is sort of the place where you go your way and I go mine. And you're right. If you respond emotionally in any way, there's just, there's nothing good that comes for that. I also find that, that, that approach, if you're calm, sometimes just the way that you respond will cause people to, to rethink what they're saying. And it doesn't always happen right away. A lot of times you get a, an email or a call two, three days later mm-hmm. because your reaction surprised the other person, sort of caught them off guard a little bit. And then they think, well, wow, he took that really well. <laughs> yeah, <thanks. laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? What don't I know? You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're totally right there. Like, um, not only good things can come from reacting that way, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, if you're ever going to open further avenues for yourself, then just keep your cool, you know what I mean? Like you said, only good things can come from that, whether it's they just decide that they're, bored of um, getting personal with you or whether they actually stop and think hang on maybe i'm not giving this guy enough credit you know like regardless yes yeah yeah, only good things can come from that yeah i agree with you i think that's good advice so i would like to hit you with what we call some hot seat questions let's go all right so first question is this what are you not very good at what am i not very good at um Hmm. Not obsessing over work. Um, yeah, um, sure. Cause you know, uh, with rabbit prototyping and getting things out the door as quickly as possible and moving on to the next step, I find it quite hard to move on if I'm not entirely happy with it. You know what I mean? But yeah, you just got to do what you got to do and pass that work on, you know, like, uh, I secretly sometimes come back to it and <laughs> obsess over it even more, like just before bedtime. But yeah, like, uh, but on like, you know, officially it's just goodbye. Uh, hopefully it does the best that it can. You know what I mean? So you're obsessed. Yeah, pretty much. It's almost perfectionism that I suffer from, you know what I mean? Like um, some some of the people on your Facebook group will agree. The slogan on my website used to be, uh, if you're going to do something, do it properly. And, you know, essentially that could be misconstrued in, you know, saying that, oh, this guy's obsessed with professionalism, you know what I mean? So I obsessed over that and went and changed it. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Did you ever see the movie? It's John Turturro and um... – Two other guys. It's called Mac. They're they're contractors. They're they're Italian construction workers. They build houses. Right. Right. I related to this movie because I grew up Sicilian. I had construction companies on both sides of the family. My father is an incredible carpenter, um, and he and his brothers are detail oriented to the nth degree. Okay. And in this movie, his father taught the three of them something growing up when they learned how to how to build houses. He said, "There's two ways to do things. There's the right way and my way." And they're the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) So I I got such a charge out of this movie because that's kind of how I grew up. I mean, that was never said explicitly, but it's sort of the same thing. And you carry that. And part of the reason I'm laughing so much when you, when you say all this is because I am very much the same way. (laughs) Okay. Letting go, letting go of that, that nth degree of perfection, you know, like that, that, extra pixel or that whatever it is that's a hard one but it's good that you openly admit it it's good that we're having an, an open you know therapy session here yeah told you where we can we can overcome our obstacles yeah precisely <laughs> but, um... <laughs> next question tell me something that you think is true about ux or design or, or or anything quite frankly that almost nobody agrees with you on I was hoping that you would you were going to ask this one. Um, I actually went and wrote it down. Um, when it comes to UX, um, if you consider everything you know that we've that I said earlier to you about you know design is about people and you know or audiences or indeed users, then you know I believe there's a argument to be made that UX really is just design but you know proper design you know it's from the ground up it's the way it should be like you know you should always conduct yourself in consideration with who the end user is or who the audience is obviously of course business goals as well that you have to meet but you know um yeah uh, arguably like if i had it my way i would rebrand ux as just 
design. Oh! Yeah, like uh, you just pressed all my buttons. Yeah, you know, I, I got fired upon on your Facebook page not that long ago for saying the same thing, and um, you know, uh, understandably, fair enough. But it's just when I got to grips with what UX really is, it just yeah, like I was sat there thinking to myself, "Hang on, this is just." design like this is what design is supposed to be i agree you know what i mean like um you're taking it from planning through to ideation and etc etc et you know like um yeah this is this is just proper design for me totally agree totally agree and that's and you may have heard me say that but that's my thing design is design is design is design is design is design i, I quote massimo vignelli all the time because that was his whole thing, right? One of his most famous quotes is, if you can design one thing well, you can design anything well. I firmly believe that. Right. You're either paying attention to what people want, what they need, what they expect, what they're able to use, all the constraints that are around the problem-solving discipline we know as design. If you're doing that properly, you are doing, in effect, a lot of these other sort of sub-disciplines that we've invented, mm -hmm. right? You are providing good information architecture. You are thinking about language and communication. You are thinking about what visual signals get sent. You know, you are thinking about the psychology uh, of the person. You are thinking about usability principles. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm in violent agreement with you there. It's all the same stuff to me. Yeah. You know, it, it, it really, really is. I think the problem is a lot of people see design in a very small box, you know, in terms of what it is and what it means. And it's not really accurate. So I'm with you. Cool. Well, scratch one up for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do one more. Go. What word or phrase do you say way too much? Um, process. <laughs> process. No, really. Like, like uh, I'm, I'm borderline obsessed with, you know, the process. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm always asking, okay, what if the client says to me, you know, do this, I just automatically, even if I don't say it to them out loud, I do think to myself, why, you know, and by that I'm asking, okay, uh, why, what's the, you know, what's the problem that we're trying to solve or what's the business goal here or yeah. what is it that we have established about the users that, you know, leads us to this, et cetera. You know, like uh, I just have this obsession with, if I push a pixel, then I need to be able to justify the direction that I'm pushing it in. Amen. So yeah, there you go. My most used word is probably process. Well, it's a good word to misuse. I would say I'm going to call my next dog process. I think. <laughs> process. process. Come here. <laughs> That's a good process. Okay, my, my dog's looking at me like, who are you talking to? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, we are at the end of our time, sir. I cannot thank you enough. Likewise. For a, a truly enjoyable conversation. I really enjoy talking to you and uh, hopefully we'll have you back at some point. I, I'm here as long as, as soon as you need me, just give me a, give me a shout, you know, like, uh, hopefully you found the things that I said useful. Uh, hopefully none of what I said was complete and not a nonsensical uh, rubbish or anything. Jeez. Cause no, we would have stopped a lot sooner if that was the case. Really? Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Thanks for your honesty. <laughs> no, no problem. I wish you well in your job search and I hope you will continue to update us on your progress. Definitely will do. Thank you very much for being there for me, you and your or all your followers, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's very much appreciated. It's great to have somebody like you in the community, you know what I mean? Uh, you're welcome. I'm honored to be of service. Great. Um, have yourself a good weekend, Joe. You do the same, sir. We'll speak again soon. Take care. All right, you too. Goodbye. That wraps up this edition of Making UX Work. Thanks for listening, and I hope hearing these stories provides some useful perspective and encouragement along with a reminder that you're not alone out there. Before I go, I want you to know that you can find show notes and links to the things mentioned during our conversation by visiting givegoodux.com slash podcast. You'll also find links to more UX resources on the web and social media, along with ways to contact me if you're interested in sharing your own story here. Until next time, this is Joe Natoli reminding you that it's people like you who make UX work.